Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hi, I'm Ella, compulsive overeater, and uh, it's good to be here. I don't know all of you, but I know that we're all in the same boat as far as compulsive overeating goes. And I'm um, a little bit, well, I'm somewhat nervous and hesitant about sharing. I didn't really, I don't really know that I can speak for 20 minutes, but in any case, I will try. So once again, I'm Ella, I'm a compulsive overeater. And I'm just going to briefly tell you a little bit about my history and program before I talk about the tools. So I came into the program in 1982 when I was 40 years old. And I had been just so utterly and totally defeated by food. I I can't even begin to speak about it. And in that way, as we only had AA literature, the AA big book and its description of alcoholism and the doctor's opinion really spoke to me because I felt that kind of devastation. And I needed, I'm gl- that strong language was very helpful to me. And I know it's not helpful to everybody, but for me, my situation felt exactly like that. And I felt finally somebody, I felt finally I had listened to the truth that somebody spoke about what I was going through and that it was an addiction. And I'd always thought that I was like an alcoholic or a drug addict with food, but I could never speak that to anybody because every you know somehow the idea was that there was some psychological secret I would unlock and that if I unlocked it then I would no longer want to eat and that may or may not be true and it may be true for somebody and it may be true for you but I did so much therapy I can't even tell you how much money I spent on therapy of every different type because once I got to California there was a lot to choose from that hadn't been available back East, which was just standard, standard shrink. And um, so I got out here and then I, you know, and then I, you know, took, you know, became a seeker in terms of Buddhism. And I was very sincere. I was a sincere student and I went to a lot of very long retreats and went through a lot and sat for hours. And after each retreat, I'd eat more than I'd ever eaten before. You know, the disease would just be like playing, you know, be like saying, ha, you know, go ahead, sit for 16 hours a day, see what it gets you. And um, so I came here and I was so totally defeated that you'd have thought, what a no-brainer. This girl is, is primed for step one. This girl will never pick up again. This girl is just going to embrace this program heart and soul. And guess what? 
I just floundered. I, I did not like anything about the meetings. I did not like the program. I did not like the whole situation. And the only thing that was true was that, that kept me going was that people said they'd eaten as I ate. And by that, I mean, people ate out of the garbage, that that was not a surprising thing to an active compulsive overeater. There was no surprise to that. And so people ate out of the garbage and then they didn't, then they stopped. And I saw people maintaining a normal weight. And um, I weighed about 80 pounds more than I weigh now. I'm not saying that that's the, that's not the only reason I came in. I came in and I would have been, I would have been glad never to lose a pound if I was released from the obsession. And I, you know, I'm not even gonna, we won't even go there. Um, so, you know, my first 13 and a half years in program were characterized by stretches of abstinence, stretches of relapse. And by that, I mean, long stretches of each. And I don't know why, you know, in 1996, actually the date is January 6th. I can't tell you why that was the date of my last, that was the last day I had to eat in that destructive way. And I don't know why. Um, I know now that it's very important to me that I keep what I have, that I keep that recovery and I guard it. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I wish I could say, I know there's people who say, well, if you do the steps by the big book, if you do this, if you do that. And I think everybody has his or her own path to recovery and it doesn't look the same for everybody. And much as I think, I know what's good for somebody else. I don't. And I have to, you know, learn humility in this program. So I'm going to talk a, a little bit about the tools because that is what I've been asked to talk about. And I want to say that, you know, some people think, well, the tools, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's the steps that are important. And the tools are just, you know, you guys are some kind of like, I don't know, elementary school people that need to work the tools. But um, I find that the tools are a way of working. They're a way of experiencing the steps. So I wanted to start with a plan of eating because that's always, <laughs> that's, that always gets us where we live, you know? Like, um, you could talk about anything. I, you know, people would rather talk about their sex life and they'd rather talk about their money or lack thereof, and they'd rather talk about anything than you know tell you exactly what I'm eating for breakfast, and um, you know that's my business. But um, having a plan of eating, no matter how loose or how um, defined, is very has has been very helpful for me, and. The other, and so that, I think the other, it, that is the experience I believe of step one, that I admit that I, of my own, don't do a good job handling food choices. Now I have a plan that is probably much 
less defined than a lot of people's and probably more defined than others. And I do weigh and measure food. And I'm saying that because when I first came in, I said, I will never, 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 never weigh and measure food. That is ridiculous. And, um, and then especially I said, all right, okay, protein, fat, all right, all right, even carbohydrate, but I will not measure vegetables. You have to be kidding. Um, but then I joined a step study where you had to make, weigh and measure everything. And fortunately, I was, I was working with a body worker at that time. And when I said I was not going to weigh and measure, she just said, I don't feel any support for that. And I believed her. And then I started weighing and measuring. And who knew? I mean, it feels to me like what somebody said is she weighs and measures because then it lets her know she really can eat. And I have an abundant food plan and I, I'm, I'm really happy with my food choices and what I get to eat. Um, so that that plan of eating is a form of taking step one and admitting that I'm powerless over food. And it's also interesting if, if I turn that over to a sponsor, it's also a step five. It's where I begin to tell somebody else the truth about what I'm doing. And as I said, I would rather not tell you what I'm eating. Um, so I found also that um, for step two, it was very helpful to read literature, that there was some sanity there that I could tap into. And that of my own, I mean, believe me, if, if anybody looked at me and my life and how I conduct my day and what goes through my mind, you would say, has this person ever taken step two? Does this person have a shred of sanity? And I think, well, a little bit, a little bit of sanity, at least the sanity to know when I'm being insane, a sanity to know when my thoughts are not helping me. Like for instance, yesterday I had to call my sponsor because it's the holidays. I live by myself, I can really get into a very blue funk. Okay, um, great, thank you very much. I can get into the bluest of blue funks that um, a human being can get into short, you know, this side of the grave. And so I had to call my sponsor who asked, started to help me challenge my thoughts. And, and so that's, um, so sponsors are also a way of, they're part of that restoration process for me, because for me, if I talk it over with another person, it helps me understand what I'm thinking and feeling. And also if someone asks me how I feel when I believe that nobody loves me and I'm all alone in the world, and I say, well, I don't feel really good. You know, um, it's like, why would I keep entertaining that thought? And I, I mean, there, I, I think that there is some choice here and, or I can pray. I can say, God, 
you know, relieve me of these thoughts, relieve me of this bondage of self. Um, and a sponsor helps with step three. And, um, and a lot of the steps deal, I think, with, with really with service and with connection. And I found early on that um, I like to tell people that somebody used to call me every day and because I was new and she called me and this person, you know, I would not have described them as sane. I would have described them as a disturbed person that I might've wished to avoid had I had a choice. And the fact of the matter is that I came to depend on that person's phone call every day, that there was another human being who took five minutes out of their life to call me every day. And I think in the long run, and I, I, I will go into, um, I'll talk about anonymity, um, I think as a, and service as concluding tools. I don't know, I don't know how come anonymity got to be a tool because never mind. But um, because they talk a lot about humility. And I, we were reading the 12th tradition yesterday in a meeting I go to, and it talked all about anonymity and humility and how humility is a chief ingredient of recovery. And I think that like being willing to use these these tools, you know, okay, so maybe this is rinky dink that I'm making these phone calls, but so what? Is it, is it better than overeating? Well, yes. Um, and is going to the meeting, even though I don't like the meeting and, I, and it's cold and it's nighttime and I, that's when we used to have in-person meetings at night. And I, I don't think so. And I don't like this person who shares and I don't like the secretary. Believe me, these are the thoughts that go through my wonderful mind. And, um, but I'm there and I will hear something. And by sitting in this seat, I claim to be no more and no less than another compulsive overeater. And that's what's important. And that's, that I think, in terms of service and anonymity is why, you know, why I keep on stressing that humility is a very, is an essential ingredient of recovery and being willing to use these tools, that is being willing to do these actions that are, they're not, they don't seem that big. They're not, you know, significant. They're not like, you know, shaving your head and going to Burma and putting on some robes and sitting around. Um, that, that looks like a good idea, but um, you know, having a plan of eating, having a little action plan, going to meetings, calling other people. Wow, you mean all I have to do are these little things and this will help me with my recovery. And so in that way, I think the tools are such a gift because they give us simple actions and they, they are simple, but they aren't easy all the time. I've been encouraging someone to make a phone call when, um, when things upset her. And that has been very challenging and difficult. The person doesn't feel that they, could, they can burden anybody else with being upset. But the fact of the matter is 
Um, and I want to say this to anybody who resists the idea of phone calls because they don't want to disturb somebody. We are adults. If someone takes the call and they're disturbed, it's on them. So um, somebody can say, I don't have time to talk right now. Someone can say, I can't do that. But it's up to me. And I know I could not survive without the phone because I do things every day or things happen that really upset me. And it's a wonderful form for me of 10th step to be able to call somebody and say, look what just happened. You know, I yelled at this person. Um, you know, I, I don't know what else I did. I stayed up way too late last night. Um, and being able to just tell another human being and admit when I'm wrong, when I'm wrong, promptly admit it because I, because making mistakes is just so integral <laughs> to my life. I, there's no getting around it. Um, and I wanted to just close and I will close a little, close with something that um, a, a wonderful person who's been in recovery, I mean, she's been abstinent for over 40 years and maintaining a, over a hundred pound weight loss. And someone said, well, what is the key? What is the secret to your um, program and your recovery? And, you know, it, it, she didn't say, I wake up every morning and I get on my knees and I, you know, pray and blah, blah, blah. And I write these 10 steps every day and, and, and I weigh and measure without exception. She said, you have to learn to live with your mistakes. And I feel that's true because if I can't forgive myself, then, and I can't allow that forgiveness into my life, then I am going to, I'm going to eat because the pain of, you know, the pain of being that way toward myself, the pain of being unforgiving, the pain of being, you know, of flagellating. And I can make just the triflest of, you know, blips. And it's like, ugh, it's, it's horrible. So um, that, that means for me, the phone call and a sponsor are essential because I, I somehow can't write my way or read my way out of, out of very difficult feelings. I need to be able to share them. And I think that finally, the, you know, the tools, and I didn't come in with the action plan or the writing, so I don't feel I really um, qualified to talk about them a great deal. But I feel that for me, connecting with other people, thank you, Emily, connecting with other people, sharing at a meeting, being able to just say, um, this is this is this is the deal, you know, this is what I what I am, what I do, and I don't have to overeat over it. So there's the miracle that I can share at the end, that no matter how much I stick my foot in it and open my mouth when I shouldn't, no matter what I do or don't do, I'm not obliged to overeat in order to deal with that pain. That I have these tools and I have this program and I have all of you who I know 
uh, understand and yourselves probably do many of the same things. So um, I just wanna say thank you. I hope I've said something that's of use to someone. And if not, there will be another meeting. So thank you again.